0: Colin Robertson, good to talk to you once again.
1: Good to be with you, Mark.
0: Well, the results are in. Um, I don't know, were you surprised by these results? I was surprised.
1: I was surprised on two counts. First of all, the turnout was much larger than anyone anticipated. It was even higher than we have in our federal elections. Normally, in municipal elections, you get 30 to 40% turnout, and that's what it was last time in Hong Kong. But you had 70% of the eligible electorate turnout. And what's interesting about the municipal elections in Hong Kong is that they really are... Uh, representative by population unlike the legislative council where a number of the seats are reserved essentially for pro-beijing workers and of course the chief executive who's chosen by a pool of twelve hundred people who are selected mostly by beijing but so this is the real indication of where the people in hong kong stand and throwing out in fact most of their old legislators who had been seen to be pro-establishment that is towing the line of Beijing.
0: What is the significance of these councils? I mean, what kind of power do they wield?
1: Well, like many municipal councils, they look after the stuff that most matters to people on a day-to-day basis, garbage pickup, their water, the sort of basic utilities. So they don't have a lot of power in in terms of the big picture stuff, but they do have, as they say, responsibility for day-to-day lives of people. So we're talking about kind of broad trends. When when I say pro establishment, it doesn't mean that everybody told the Beijing line, but they were generally establishment. And the same thing with the democracy movement. It's a broad kind of movement that wants to preserve Hong Kong's uh, guaranteed rights as they were guaranteed by the world, not just Britain, but by the world because it was international covenant when Britain passed Hong Kong back to China in 1997, in which they guaranteed uh, one country, yes, but two systems. And the different system for Hong Kong would uh, last until 2047.
0: But you said this was a remarkable turnout. Uh, And I'm wondering, is this, in fact, about garbage pickup in your community, or is this... No,
1: no, that's a a good question. But the the pro-democracy group ran on the platform of what the broad democracy movement has been... Uh, campaigning for in the demonstrations over the 6 months and those are basically fivefold. First of all, they want an amnesty for the student protesters. Secondly, they want to have the uh, government investigate the uh, use of police tactics. So that those were two, but the other three are related directly to democracy. First of all, they want to directly elect their chief executive officer. Secondly, they want to have direct elections to the legislative council. And thirdly, they want a a reconfirmation by their chief executive and by Beijing that Hong Kong's system will be continued. And that's independent judiciary, free press, and more democracy.
0: But Mr. Robertson, if this is a demonstration of a political will, how is Beijing going to react to this?
1: Well, I, I think Beijing was quite surprised. There was a lot of question because of what had been gone on, what happened at the Polytechnic over the last weeks. Would Beijing allow the elections to go forward? But I think Beijing bet, as I think the chief executive officer bet, that the silent majority was with the uh, pro-establishment and with Beijing. And I think she told Beijing this. And so the elections went ahead on Sunday. And to the great surprise, I say, of many, they did not work out the way she, Carrie Lam, who's the chief executive, had told Beijing they would go. So Beijing's initial reaction, and we can only gauge it from what their foreign minister said at the G20 meeting the other day, telling all the other countries, but particularly telling the democracies, which would include, of course, Canada, to keep their nose out of Chinese affairs, and China calls the shots in Hong Kong. So it was a pretty blunt message.
0: So uh, the last time we spoke, you you suggested that she had lost legitimacy as a government, so I guess this is a reinforcement of what you said earlier.
1: Yeah, very much so, because this isn't just the protesters, And, and she had been saying, and a lot of the establishment uh, pro-Beijing crowd have been saying, ah, what we're watching now is just a radical fringe, and they're all basically paid and bought for by, uh, as they call them, hooligans financed by the CIA, MI5, and foreign intelligence agencies. But to have that kind of remarkable turnout is a clear indication that if this isn't a small faction, that's significant.
0: Well, now, how does this play out in, in terms of Canada's position uh, regarding China? Because it it seems to be a part of, of a lot of things that are happening at once. We have just gone on this this global security forum in which speakers said we we really shouldn't be trusting China with things like 5G. We've got these uh, papers coming out talking about these uh, re-education centers, which are seemingly like high-tech prisons, uh, and now we have this uh, movement in Hong Kong, again, apparently saying the people want democracy. So how does Canada react to all this at once?
1: Well, I, I think I was at the Halifax forum, And uh, yes, I think that if the Chinese authorities were trying to present a alternative model to the world that has broad popular support, they are failing dismally. As you point out, the, these uh, papers, which have are pretty clear of what the Chinese uh, authorities are trying to do uh, with the re-education camps in Xinjiang and their Uyghur minority population. And, of course, the, 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 the extraordinary turnout by people in uh, in Hong Kong in a rebuke to the, uh, the Beijing uh, edicts that are coming down. And we're seeing around the world also kind of a press back from companies on the Chinese major foreign policy initiative, which is the Belt and Road Initiative, which basically will provide you with funding in return for access to ports and things like that. And if you don't pay up, then we're going to own those ports and things. So the, certainly China China's uh, argument that ours is the superior alternative model to the kind of discredited, as they would put it, Western model, the model led by the United States, it's not getting a lot of pickup, uh, particularly amongst those who are directly under Beijing's control. There's an election in uh, Taiwan scheduled for early January, and there had been uh, a lot of uh, Chinese efforts to say, move out the current group, which is a kind of pro-democracy, not independence, but pro-democracy, because Xi Jinping wants it back by 2029, as it is an integral part of uh, China. Uh, we'll, we'll, that'll be the next kind of test. We'll see what the people in Taiwan are thinking. Uh, but so, what does this mean for Canada? Well, I think that Canada, we, we talk about a values-based foreign policy. We have been not silent, but we haven't been particularly vocal about what's taking place in Hong Kong, even though we probably, of all the countries, have the biggest interest because the expatriate Canadian expatriate population is by far the largest. There's at least 300,000 uh, Canadians living there. Last week, the American Congress passed legislation which forces the administration to take a hard look and report back to the Congress on whether Beijing is keeping its uh, obligations and commitments to Hong Kong under those international covenants I talked about. And if they are not, then the special preferences that Hong Kong enjoys, and these are trading preferences, would be withdrawn. And that's significant because Beijing uses... Hong Kong as a kind of outlet for uh, both money and trade. Canada might consider doing something similar to that as a kind of symbolic act.
0: But we have been, I guess we'd say, soft on the China file, and a lot of uh, experts are saying we should be taking a harder stand on this, especially because what we have, for example, the Huawei well, chief executive in, in, in yeah, house I, arrest I mean, and I, so I, on.
1: I think the, the hard, soft, I think that we, we remember we've we got also got big in, in in China, and we've got... Uh, we've got two Canadians detained. We've got the Meng Wanzhou affair going on. We've got a, a, the, the the Trudeau government had originally hoped to move for closer economic relations with China. Uh, the recent polling from uh, both UBC, the Pew Center, and others have shown that Canadians are reacting to what's going on in China. Uh, they're with, uh, with alarm, and there's a lot of reservation now about any kind of closer relationship with China because of Canadians, I think, very legitimate concern about China's behavior, not just on the human rights front, but on on trade, uh, where we're also collateral
0: damage. Colin Robertson, where is this going?
1: Well, I think when I last spoke to you, I thought this was probably going to end in tears. But uh, I, for now, it, uh, it, happily, that does not appear to be the case because the people have voted. The, the hope is that... That now that you've got legitimately elected representatives representing the broad interests of what the pro-democracy movement about, uh, optimistically you could say this should pull some of the steam out of the protest movement because they, it now moves from the streets to councils. But we'll see because certainly Beijing uh, has been very clear that they continue to call the shots in Hong Kong and they do not want to see any foreign interference and. Uh, I'm I'm convinced that in Beijing today, they're they're reminded once again of Deng Xiaoping, the great leader who brought China forward into into, uh, its great sort of economic capacity. Uh, Always looked at Hong Kong and considered them the pimple on the arse of China.
0: Colin Robertson, thank you very much for this.
1: Thanks, Mark.